Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal, glad to have you along for the next hour. High school basketball playoffs back on the floor starting this afternoon all the way through Saturday night as the Class A and B have reached the area tournament just one step away from the big house, 2A and 4A down in the regional. We'll tell you what the broadcast schedule is coming up at the end of the show. Also at 930 uh, we'll be joined by the Hammond Lady Warriors head coach, Leah Beer, and she talks about uh, the Lady Warriors season so far. Look ahead to tomorrow night's area final against Lakeba Sickles. Maybe she can, uh, you know, back-to-back days where we've had family members on, daughter, now now mother. <laughs> she can shoot back at uh, at Tatum about uh, the, the loss that they had to Canute. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we'll talk to all things Hammond Lady Warrior basketball with Coach Beer coming up at 930. Going to get to the potential college football rule changes we weren't able to get to yesterday uh, to shorten the game. Got some stats on those as far as uh, what it would really do. Um, and some different questions about that. Uh, there's also a another anniversary today, February 23rd, 1985. Anybody out there know what happened that day? Uh, very notable in the world of sports, basketball. And also, I watched something last night that I think, if you guys haven't watched it, I want to tell you about it, because it's an awesome, awesome thing uh, that you can be able to to get a different perspective on something, uh, at least in this country, uh, it takes on one meeting for us and, and another meeting for uh, the other side of uh, of the Miracle on Ice. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else is on your mind, feel free to chime in at 225-9698. 9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, don't uh, you can stay in touch with the show. One way is to log on to kadsam.com. The other, download the app. Paragon app has everything. It's free to download. It's got radio. It has got the Penny News. It's got Big Elk and Paragon TV. That broadcast schedule is full today of high school basketball playoffs. And then the Skinny on Sports podcast, kadsam.com. If you miss it entirely, go back and listen that way. Also, uh, some of those uh, are slowly but surely making their way to iTunes as well. Good morning, Jared. How are you? What happened? February twenty third, nineteen eighty five. Oh, racking my brain without googling it, I have no idea. Infamous. It's in the basketball. It's, it's world. an infamous moment in college basketball history. Can I? Can I get some? Can I like ask like twenty questions? Can I get close to? Is it like okay? Does it involve state schools? No. I, I just, I'm, I'm spinning. I mean, it's not March yet, so it's not March Madness stuff. No. I don't know. What is it? No, is it? one of the, while. One, it's, it involves a coach's reaction. Did Coach K throw his chair? Bob Knight. There you have it. Bobby, <laughs> Bob Knight. Knight. Bob yeah. Knight. Bobby Knight Coach threw K. his chair across. Coach K's not throwing chairs. Bobby Knight's throwing chairs, though. Yes. That's exactly what is it, it is. Bobby Knight throwing the chair. Awesome. Uh, at Assembly Hall against Purdue. 
That's a good uh, trivia question. Who was the opponent? No one remembers the opponent. Purdue was the opponent. I got to tell you, just from the looks of it, I saw a clip this morning. And from the looks of it, chairs on the bench have come a long way. Yeah. With padding, with comfortability, because this thing, it just looks like one of those plastic chairs that you kind of set back in a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a nice plastic chair, but yeah, they've gone a long way. Because here's the thing. Those padded chairs are normally heavier. Yeah, they're pretty. I don't know if he was strong enough to fling that thing across the floor like he did, although he was pretty upset. Yeah, adrenaline took over. Uh, so that's, that's that's funny. So that's what it is. Uh, February twenty third, nineteen eighty five. Bob Knight throwing the chair. Could you imagine just being on the court or being a ref, and all of a sudden you just look down and a chair flies by you? You'd have to be wondering what's that. What, what are we in Detroit or something? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? <laughs> this or that happened. They go. Oh, Bobby Knight's at it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must have come from the Indiana bench. <laughs> yeah, here's one good guess. Uh, Billy Tubbs said, don't be throwing Close. anything on the floor. That yeah. was a little bit later. That was. 1988, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, similar. Okay, so, you know, yesterday uh, it was the 43-year anniversary of the Miracle on Ice with the U.S. Olympic hockey team. Right. Knocking off the Russians, uh, the Soviets, actually. I guess we should follow them back then. And one of the one of, if not probably the greatest upset in the history uh, of sport, and of course the movie M- Miracle uh, was something that a lot of a whole bunch of Americans uh, enjoy that movie to to especially the ones that were alive and in the midst of what was happening back then, to kind of relive those moments and relive uh, the glory that was uh, that U.S. men's Olympic hockey team. Last night I went the other way. So there's a 30 for 30. It's called Of Miracles and Men. Mm-hmm. And it looks at the other side of that game from the Soviet side. It follows uh, Slava Fetisov, who was a defenseman on that team. And really kind of just from the from the beginning of Soviet hockey and all the way through uh, those guys being allowed to actually come over and play in the NHL, which seems like such an easy concept now. Back then, yeah. it wasn't. Right. Like, if you, if you don't realize, if you've never really kind of taken any ty- type of a deep dive into what was going on over there, that that the hockey, the the Soviet hockey team was actually enlisted soldiers. They had to sign, when they signed to play hockey, they, had, they dedicated 25 years of service to the Red Army all at the same time. So they were literally soldiers whose battlefield was the hockey rink um and it went through the you know the first they they basically created hockey from scratch um at least the 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 style of hot the soviet style of hockey mm-hmm. um the the original coach gosh uh Tikhanov was the one that was there for the miracle and i said what was the other guy's name ah something off Terryanov, Terryanov, I think, or something like that. Anyway, he he basically looked at Canadian hockey and did the exact opposite. So he felt like the Canadians, the the style of hockey that Canada played, one person, four people revolved around one, and that one was whoever had the puck. Then everybody else, and he did the exact opposite. The puck was determined by the other four, where to go. You know, what I mean? just mm-hmm. it, it was just a, a totally opposite style of it, and 
my gosh, were they dominant. Once they got onto the Olympic stage, they won in 72, 76, 84, 88, maybe even 92, just, or 68 before that. It was just an incredible run that only had the Americans in, in there right in between it in 1980. Uh, to keep them from being just a, a, a dynasty of the gold medal or what have you. But what a lot of people don't realize is those guys were soldiers. And until Slava Fatisov kind of bucked the system, which wasn't allowed over there. He was the, he was the first guy. First, first not, not hockey guy. He was the first citizen that was given a passport to freely leave and return to the Soviet Union. When in, finally in, in uh, 1989, he was allowed to come and play for the New Jersey Devils. And at the time, he played five years there, ended up at Detroit. By the time he got to Detroit, then there there was a bunch of, uh, of Russian guys. Coming because the, obviously yeah. the Soviet Union was no more. It, it, yeah, it broke down. You know, but, right. he, but he leaves at the time that the Soviet Union is intact. Hmm. And then, of course, it shows him at the, after five years that uh, he goes to Detroit. They win the Stanley Cup with a line that has exclusively Russian dudes. <laughs> and he and Igor Larionov are, are the first first time in the history of skating the Stanley Cup around that they both carry it at the same time. That had never happened before. It always just been one guy, you know, skating around with a bug's oh, head. Oh, right, right. He, he, he and Larionov go together because they played together. Back in in Russia or back in the Soviet Union on the on the Red Army team, it was more than just winning the cup for them. I bet it was like this is our sign of freedom. Well, here here's you know, the question: I bet you They were relieved with you know to come over and and then of course Soviet Union uh, demolishing and breaking down, right. and they, they, that was like a probably a, a a mark of their lives. Like we're free, we're free men. We can do this without fear of getting brought back home and shot or something. Well, yeah, you know I, that's kind of a surreal thing to think about uh, he, he makes the at, at the end i mean the, the stanley cup ends up in the red square in moscow oh, wow. he brings it home well, he does bring it home brings it home wow and he makes the comment of now that's a miracle on ice well yeah and it makes you think okay yeah what's a bigger miracle some college kids beating that team or a russian guy a, a soviet guy mm-hmm. Playing in the NHL and then the Stanley Cup ended up in in what was then Russia. It's hard to really, you know, take the colors away from it, the jersey colors and stuff. But you know, back in in 1980, when the Miracle on Ice, you know, it was it was the good old boys, the Americans, the college kids going up against these these commies from Russia. That's you know? exactly it. And it's hard to think about those guys. You know, not every and that's it's even rings true today. Not everybody believes their ideology that comes from their country and you could probably kind of and if you think about it like that you could almost feel a sense of compassion for those guys like man they're kind of forced to do this stuff you know they're you know and they're probably playing in fear like you know and there was that covered in that documentary like how were they received when they went home he talked at a hundred percent so when they were coming home from in 72 and 76 huge receptions at the airport oh, yeah yeah Probably and then in 1980, when they escorted by tanks, and- <laughs> yeah, when, when they came home in 1980, the only people at the airport were their families. I'm probably lucky; just their families were allowed to go get them. Well, yeah, and you know that when you when you see the the footage from '84, which was in Sarajevo, 
where the where the Olympic Games were in Yugoslavia back then, Yugoslavia. Al Michaels makes the kind of cracks a joke that uh, Victor Tikhonov is still the coach in '84. Half expected to find him in Siberia somewhere, or you know, <laughs> well, yeah, that's just the that's just the truth of it. They get assigned to these, yeah, and but but what that allowed to happen when they lost to the Americans, it allowed Tikhonov, who's they 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 talked about how in even the Soviet Union, how it changed. It went from romanticism and artistry in the early parts of of the country itself. Then Stalin makes it cynical. Mm-hmm. And and what we think of as the Soviet Union as it, as it got to its end, and he, they talked about how the hockey team did that as well, with Taranov. Taranov was the guy, the first coach. How he was, it was artistic, it was expression, and then the Tikhonov, the coach in eighty and, and on, mm-hmm. it was calculated. He, they called him like the accountant, the hockey accountant, because <laughs> of his regiment of time. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. If you haven't seen it, it's in season two of the 30 for 30 series, like toward the end, I think it was like the 27th one, but man, it just gives you a totally different perspective yeah. on, on one of the greatest more, sporting moments yeah. in the history of this country, but it lets you see the other side of yeah, it too. Yeah, more of a human element of, it of does. the other it, side. And, and you're exactly right. It makes you go, man, I'll tell you what, you do kind of, you know, we're too young to probably have the, 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 the feelings about what it was like. Obviously, I wasn't mm-hmm. even born. Neither one of us were born because it was February of eighty. I wasn't born until November. I was barely a thing. I wasn't even a thing. No, my parents were exactly. Uh, no, they weren't even married. Okay, they were so, in the dating phase. I mean, there. mine were, but <laughs> I mean, I was. Anyhow, let's move on. From, that might be it. That, it. that might be when you know that was it a cold winter? That might, February twenty second. That might have been little skinny's day. You know what I'm saying? Because I was November. That's not. There you go. Whammo. Whoa! We just had a. Really- there was a miracle on ice Whoa. that night. <laughs> Anyhow, um, and so we obviously don't have the feeling of what it was like to to live uh, in the country at that at that time. So. Um, but still, it gives you the, the per- yeah. perspective of the other side. Let's talk about the college football, uh, the per- the uh, potential rule changes yeah. to the clock. First off, I have a question. I haven't seen it. I need to look them up. Do you know but, anybody that wants? Do you know anybody that's just clamoring to shorten college football? Uh, no, no. To shorten the game? I mean, there's times where it drags on. I get it. But the, I, I wonder if this is much ado about nothing. Uh, but it's not because I know why this is happening. And it's happening because of TV windows and how valuable those have become. They want to maximize. The, they want, the, yeah. you know, think about the NFL Sunday. Mm-hmm. It is exceedingly rare for one game to go over into the window of the next game. Exceedingly rare. Um, yeah. Even an overtime game a lot of times gets done before the next one's supposed to start. To the point of how many times do you see one game get finished earlier than they thought? You you little you see a snippet of the end of another game, and then they right. have time to go like to the live look in here. Then, yeah. then they go to the show. Then yeah, they go to the next game. Yeah, yeah, that happens way more often than one goes over. In the very rare occurrence that it does overlap, the, uh, we are in 2023. We have so many. They, in ESPN's prime example, they have like 50 channels. They'll say, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and start that game on ESPN News." But here's the wanna- point. That happens more in college than it does ever in the NFL, yeah. and they're trying to get that to stop. Okay, because each window is so valuable. 
Yeah. You know, if, if you got, the, like we talked about yesterday, OU Texas, they wanted it 230. You don't want to, you don't want Florida and Missouri to go over five minutes and not be able to have that prime game of the day on a different spot for, for whatever amount of time it might be. So I think this, that's the, the factor behind this. So the first couple, I think everyone will go, okay, that makes sense. So number one of the four that are real kind of the, the main focus here. Number one is no consecutive timeouts. Obviously, you think of icing the kicker. No cons- You can't call two timeouts in a row. <clears throat> I, uh, who's not on board with that one? No, I'm good with that. that. If that has to happen, that's fine. Because everybody in this team knows it's coming, you know. Yeah, just one timeout, and then just you, one time you can't go back to back. Let them kick, yeah. Okay, number two, and this doesn't happen much, but we've all seen it. No untimed downs on a defensive penalty ending the first or the third quarter. So in the first quarter and the third quarter, if time expires as a defensive penalty right now, they'll go ahead and run another play and then get to the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. With this proposal, the penalty happens, but the, it'll, it'll be assessed to start the fourth quarter. No real change to the game there. I think we would all agree. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Number three is different. And this one will affect the game, and they've kind of done the studies about how many plays it will take away from the game. So the clock would only stop for on first downs inside the final two minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. So NFL rules on first downs – where clock, the clock, clock doesn't runs, stop right. unless it's inside Side. the two-minute mark of the second quarter going into halftime or the fourth quarter So in a weird way, kind of like a two-minute warning situation. Oh, so, you, know, you don't stop the clock right at two minutes like the NFL does, but you're inside that two minutes. That, that could create a lot of drama, too. It can create opportunities for game-winning drives. You know, it changes how you play call, too. So that is – that's. It's interesting. In the study that's being that has been done, that eliminates seven to nine plays, somewhere in that in each game. Not a ton, but it would definitely make it. I mean, it would definitely speed up the game. Mm-hmm. Number four is one that is seems wild, and it's not even done in the NFL. The clock will the clock will start after an incomplete pass, once the ball is spotted. Dumb. That would eliminate sixteen to twenty plays. Why? Okay, in your mind, why dumb? Because I have an I, I I have an opinion on why it's dumb. But what about you? Okay, what if a spike comes into play? Exactly right. That's why it doesn't make any sense. It, it's not necessarily in the run of play, but when you're trying to spike the ball, are you going to spike? Was the quarterback going to spike it, pick it up, and throw it over the ref's head? That way they can't spot it so fast. That way they have time to kind of get the play. You know what I'm saying? That's good. That one doesn't make any sense. No. And so, uh, when, when you look at the average, NFL games average three hours and ten minutes. College games average three hours and 18 minutes. So, eight minutes is the difference on average. College game what now? Say that again. 318 for college, 310 for the NFL. Okay. You know where, there, you, where, you, know where you can find eight minutes without changing the game? Halftime. That's exactly right. NFL halftime is 12 minutes versus 20 for college. And then the play disparity is twenty five is twenty five plays. An NFL game is one hundred and fifty five plays. The average college game is one hundred and eighty plays. 
So now, but is that enough time for players to? I don't know. Re, re uh, what am I trying to say? It is in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is it enough time for uh, for me? I'm approaching forty. I have to get up a lot and go use the restroom. Is it enough time for me to run down and use the restroom and grab my next beer and a hot dog? Depending where my seat's at. In the NFL, it is. On the uh, question on the first down rule, does the clock start when the ball is set or on the snap? On the snap. On the snap. Okay. Or, or no, it's not that was when it was set. No, no, when the chains are set, not the ball. When the chains are set, just like it is right now. The last two minutes We're will be ta- talking about the first down one. Inside of two minutes, oh, I got you. Okay. It'll be exactly like it is right now. Now, let me ask you this: the incomplete pass rule. Now, what if it goes inside two minutes? Is it? You probably said this, and I'm sorry. Incomplete pass rule is just incomplete pass when they set the ball. The clock starts. Clock starts even inside two minutes. That's right. That's where the spike thing it doesn't make a ton of sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, the first down rule, <laughs> it run. It, it's it will be how it is now, inside of two minutes, of the second and fourth quarter. Otherwise, the clock doesn't start for a, doesn't stop for a first down. So, you mentioned is is twelve minutes enough? Because for the halftime, the eight minutes of halftime could be where it's at. Now you also have another. You have a problem here, Jared. What happens at halftime? Uh, In a college game. Well, the band takes the field. And there you have it. You got the band doing its thing. Is the band lobby so strong that they're forcing the changes to be made to the game instead of the periphery of the game? Some some colleges, you know, like, okay, just examples. I mean, there's some really good bands that people will stop to watch at halftime uh ohio state has you see the viral videos that ohio state puts out there but what does ohio state do that is the most famous thing that they do pre-game the pre-game um a&m's the same way they're pre-game with their band their revelry band or whatever it's called it's all the pre-game stuff so um maybe you know and i i personally enjoy ou's band at the beginning, because as soon as you hear those drums and they start doing their pregame stuff, I love that, you mm-hmm. know. But no, I'm at halftime. I'm nothing against the band. Okay, I'm not. We we right here in Oak City. Yeah, know this what a is good the part band. where we got to be very, got, yeah, very, we, very, very I'm not careful. Saying that, take away the band at half. Maybe find a way to shorten it. Maybe do their performance before or after. Or after. What about an after? You know, there's that. Um, there's there's a way to condense that and move that around, sure, because without without taking the spotlight off of them. But yeah, I mean, you, there are people though who, in in some uh, colleges that they will. Sh- I mean, you ever seen Drumline? I mean, you go down south to the HBCUs. I mean, the Listen, people only show up for the band. Yeah, halftime is way bigger, way bigger deal than yeah, the game. Yeah, but me at halftime, I, I I'm I know me, I'm running down. Last game I went to, I was with my kid, and I so let's go get a hot dog real quick. Let's do we need to use a potty? Let's go use the restroom. Let's go do this. Let's get something to drink. And I'm hurrying just to do that in that 20 minute window, though. That's where I'm coming into. The, that's mm-hmm. where I kind of have some concern. Well, maybe I need to day, pay for a better ticket where I can get closer to the concession stand and restrooms. Well, at the end of the day, here's the, the truth of it: is this is all going to be driven by money. It's all going to be driven by TV. So you know something's going to happen. 
Have they studied how much money is lost by shortening the game as far as in the stadium? The longer you keep people yeah, in see, stadium, the more money they're going to spend. That's the part I don't know about. I do know that they've in this in this uh, study they looked at uh, TV revenues, commercial loads, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the the NFL and the in college football is essentially the same as far as the amount of time spent in that in that three hour and ten minute window versus that three hour and eighteen minute window. The time spent in commercial break was almost identical, so that there's not a consideration there to oh well, college football has more commercials. No, it doesn't. It's this. They they looked at that. Could there be a consideration to shorten those commercial breaks? It feels like I know when you're when you're at games, it feels like that guy with the orange glove is out there way longer yeah. than when, than when I'm you're at on home. TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're watching on TV yeah. for sure. But there, that's a not a that's not even an option. You. No, they, no, 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 no. That's not they, an option. They, that's a that's a money making deal. Yeah, there. the reason this is happening is because that's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. I, here, here's my question. Outside of TV, what are what, TV is the only reason we're even having this discussion because I don't. When you go to a game, now maybe TV. Maybe if you're at home watching TV and you're you're wanting to kind of spend the day watching, and so you get this game, then you want this game, then you want to get over to this game. But is that the only time that in on a college football Saturday where you're going, man, this game's too long? I mean, when you're in the stadium, you don't care. You don't have any idea what time it is in the stadium, other than what's on the clock for the game. Yeah, that it's not. I'm not. I'm not once. I mean, in my 25 plus years of watching college football, maybe longer, not once did I think this game's taking way too long. Because I plan my entire day That's around, right. I I clear out my schedule not just for that window between eleven a.m. and two thirty. Notice I use that window because I'm an OU fan. <laughs> but I plan my entire day like, okay, not only am I watching that game, I'm gonna watch, and that's just it. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about. Sometimes I think, man, I hope we get overtime in this game. That I'm not rooting for anybody. I just right. want to keep watching college football. Well, and but that's the time where you go, God, care. this this game's going too long. When it's eleven. It starts at eleven. It doesn't happen. Have OU. OU starts at two thirty. Let's say or OSU starts. Yeah, at there are times where there's time where you're like, man, I wish it's hurry. It's a good game. I wish it ends so I don't miss the first of the. Other I one. can remember. So now that you the, say that way back, kids remember if you remember this way back. OU and Texas used to play sometimes at two thirty, and there was one year I remember Florida or excuse me Miami and Florida State mm-hmm. were playing at the eleven o'clock slot, and that and it was on ABC. And OU was after that game, and I tune in, and I'm like, "All right, let's wrap this game up." Right. You know, they go like picture in picture, and they show OU players taking the field. I'm like, "Oh my God, we're gonna miss the kickoff! Hurry up, Florida! Miss Florida State! Miss the field goal already! Yeah, miss it right, and let's move on." <laughs> but that that is the time that you notice it when you're waiting when for you're your waiting team for to your team yeah. to play on the same. But it even has to happen to line up to where it's on the same network too. Because if it's a two thirty ABC game or a CBS game, like a if you can't wait to watch say Bama and Tennessee or whatever, guess what? You can just flip the channel. They're starting at two thirty. You know it's there. Right. So it's going to be a consideration because of TV. There's going to be some changes to it. I just hope that you know I don't think the halftime is going to be different because of what the universities put into the bands per se. Yeah. And so there's going to be some of these rules. I just hope they're not silly. I can deal if, if seven to nine plays means you only stop the clock for first downs at the end. I think I can deal with that, and we can move on. Yeah, we're back at it with high school basketball playoff action today. One of the teams you're not going to see today, though, 
uh, is the Class B number one Ham and Lady Warriors. Please be joined by their head coach, uh, Coach Leah Beer. Uh, coach Beer, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, thank you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's I'm having deja vu because over the phone, uh, yesterday's guest sounds a whole bunch like uh, you do. <laughs> be- I bet so. I bet I know who that was. <laughs> we might get the same answer. <laughs> you might. <laughs> Uh, the Lady Warriors, uh, man, you guys have been awesome all year long uh, off of a great year last year. Uh, high expectations coming into the season. Uh, tell us uh, about how the season has gone so far and some of the, the different girls that have really stepped up stepped up and propelled you guys into the area finals tomorrow night. You know, we have really had, I'm not kidding, from top to bottom, I've done this nearly 30 years, we have such a blessed season this year. Uh, we've stayed injury-free for the most part. Um these girls are fun to work with. Um, I, I enjoy, and I know that sounds like a cliche statement, but I'm telling you, it's a joy to come to practice. It's a joy to be with them during the games. They have grown immensely. I mean, I do start three seniors and two sophomores, but um, I look back just from the beginning of the season uh, to where we are now, and I, I just could not be more proud of their development I have 16 girls on this team, and I'm proud of each and every one of them. I have a uh, – uh, I mean, when we go against each other in practice, uh, it, I, I'm looking forward to the future. I know we uh, – I start three seniors, but I have a, a, another senior, Quin, Quimby Rainey, that comes off the bench and gives me good minutes. Um, but, uh, boy, howdy, I just – I feel good about the future e- even after this year. Just uh, – great group of young ladies that I've, I've had the opportunity to work with. Hey, Coach, Jared Atha here. And first off, congratulations on an awesome season again. It just seems like every year you're, you're putting up these big win seasons. And you know, I want to go back to your players. You, gotta, you mentioned the three seniors. There's a lot of familiar faces that were off that team uh, from last year. It was very successful. And then you bring them on to this year. And again, like Aaron said, there's a lot of high expectations. Is there still a point, though, as a coach, and you probably you just mentioned you've coached a long time, is there a point where, yeah, you return a lot of these these same players, but I'm still learning about them? Is, has that happened this year with with those uh, with the experience that you had? Are you learning more things about them as the season gone on? I think that I've learned more about them, and I think they taught me a little bit about myself. You know, uh, an old dog can always learn new tricks. I'm I'm an old school coach, very cut and dried, you know, but um, they've brought another side of me out this year, and I want to thank them for that because um, I can still keep that coach-player relationship, but this group is very, um, I don't know, they're just, they're fun, and they've allowed me to come back and enjoy the game a little bit and not just constantly uh, feel the pressure and the, you know what I'm saying, we got to win, we got to do this, we got to do that. And um, I am I am really grateful. I've told them numerous times that they just kind of revived something in me that, um, you know, as coaches, I mean, we it's a tough job, night in and night out. And um, these girls, um, I do want to mention them. Uh, we, we have Maylee Chaney, Harley Binkley, and Mariah Spinoza. Those are my three senior guards. And then I have two sophomores, Henley West and Justice Espinoza. And, I mean, Henley West has, man, she has developed. She's got coaches coming after her from every direction at the college level. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a great nucleus of kids. But I've learned a little bit more about them. You know, I know kind of 
what buttons to push and what what to stay away from. Uh, you mentioned Henley, uh, obviously uh, as a sophomore, a lot of play, a lot of teams don't have someone like her with the size and, and the skill and her ability to move around the floor. It's just it's something that people don't have. How much uh, as, uh, from the guard spots? How much better do you feel about kind of the cohesiveness going into the playoffs this year versus last year when she was just a freshman? Well, that is a that is a great question because I'm going to tell you we didn't know how to feed a post really, not a six four post. Uh, we didn't really know how to to look for something like that. We had been so guard oriented for so long, and um, you know that three ball was our money maker that. Um, it, it took development. I mean, it was rough through the summer. It was kind of rough early on, and I thought, boy, howdy. But then that, that flow just came with, and um, she is, I mean, she is 6'4", but she is athletic. She can run rim to rim. Um, she reads well off the rim for putbacks. And I, I just, uh, it just took us a little bit of time, and I think some trust, you know, um, just knowing that, hey, if I throw that up there, if I if I throw that past 94 feet, is she going to run under it? But um, it is definitely, you know, I, I will say this, and and I hope I can say this after tomorrow night. But we are we are playing our best ball right now through the playoffs. I've had other girls that are stepping up when they try to take Henley, you know, double and triple team her, and they're knocking down shots, which just makes us so much you know harder to defend and not just one or two dimensional yeah and like you said the, the shots being made from the outside free it up for her can you can you even quantify but on both ends how much she affects the game not only by by her play but also just the way that she opens everything up offensively uh, for the rest of your team with the attention that has to be paid on her no, and I know we've really kind of just talked more about the offensive side, but I'm going to tell you the things that we can do. Of course, my daughter, Tabor, uh, Coach Miller, she runs my chaos that she brought. You know, we've had it here for several years, but when she finished at Southwestern, she runs that for me. And to know that I can go out and do so many things in the front end and have a shot blocker, a shot alterer uh, on the back end is just, I mean, it is a lifesaver. And it, and it helps us even in the half court. You know, we've never been able to really extend and get out on shooters the way we have, um, you know, this year, just knowing that we've got a 6'4 girl that's got our back, you know, in, in, in and around that paint. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's a game changer. I'll just say that. It is a game changer. I'm glad she's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Warriors are glad that she's yeah. <laughs> You, you talk about you're playing your best basketball right now. How much do you credit your season, your schedule that you've had this past season? Because we kind of talked about this with Tatum yesterday about, you know, out here in Western Oklahoma, there's really not a lot of off nights. You're playing teams like, you know, well, Merritt, and of course, Canute and the Arapaho, the list goes on and on. How much do you credit playing that rough, rough schedule into uh, how you're playing right now in the playoffs? Well, four of our five losses are out of our conference. Merritt beat me three times. Canute, my daughter, she got me, and then we dropped one to ceiling, which is no slacker. But, um, no, I honestly, people do not understand what it is like. I mean, and not only are there great teams, but there's great coaches. So you can't just be asleep at the wheel and not have your team ready night in and night out. But 
Um, along with that, I do think when it gets this time of the year, our kids have been challenged. You know, they have faced a little bit of everything, and I think it plays to our advantage. I think it it makes us better. You know, we go through struggles or wins or losses, and and um, you know when when we run up against somebody that maybe you know we don't see as often or whatever. Uh, we we know you know hey this. <laughs> We know how to compete at, at a high level because that's, that's what our schedule is. We're hanging out with uh, Hammond Lady Warrior head coach Leah Beer. Coach, the, the three losses there at the end of January, just a, right before the start of playoffs, do you feel like maybe that even helped you refocus things back to get ready to go? Uh, because you look down that schedule, you still haven't lost to anybody in Class B. Oh no! It it is a it's an eye opener any any night that you go in and, and you suffer a loss. But particularly at that time of the year, I think it was a wake up call that, hey, you know what I'm saying? We need to get it together. We need to get this um, ship turned around. Um, I had a senior come in and she was like, Coach, what if we lock in this gym one night, just spend the night and and build more continuity and you know, just so we're ready for this last run. And I said, absolutely. So we did. We spent the whole night in here. We played games. We did it all. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate that. And that just is kind of like what I was sharing earlier. This this team's just really special. And, and the fact that they really care about the big picture, they're not, uh, they're not individuals. Uh, they love each other. Um, when you coach girls and there's not drama, it's always a good year. So, uh I've been very, very fortunate, and um, but yes, it, it was an eye opener for us. I'm starting to figure that out with my young girls in softball, and they're starting to get into that. She she wore these socks, and I told her I was going to wear these socks. I'm like, or just leave that alone. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I I, I want to go back to a game that made me. Of course, you know your season has been fantastic, but we, me and Aaron, are like, okay, let's see what happens at the Warrior Classic because it looks like it's going to be. Probably him and then Lamega in that final, and then you guys get that win over Lamega. Is that uh, was that probably a point? Maybe you talk about your team and you yourself go, okay, we might have something special here. You know, um, Lamega has just been such a powerhouse for so many years. We all know that, and when they come here, and we both have our varsity teams, when one of us isn't down at the Bursa Teague playing um it just i think makes this tournament so special and um you know i was i think hoping that we would be able to get to points because anytime you can step on the floor with lomega you're going to leave the floor 32 minutes later a better team win lose or draw you're going to be you're going to get better and um you know i just i was so proud of our poise and um you know, sometimes just Omega walking on the floor, mm-hmm. just that across their chest is, can be an intimidation factor. And um, I think I saw my seniors for once just settle in. And, you know, um, I, I don't know. We, we played very just controlled that night. And when we walked away with that win, I, you know, I did. I told Tabor, I, I said that. I said, I, I think we've got something special. I think we're going to be special. Um and let's just see where this takes us. So, um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, I do think that was a springboard for us, um, and there's lots of good teams. We're going to face one heck of a good team uh, tomorrow night because Scales, man, I've known him for years. He does a great job. We scrimmaged them. 
usually in October every year because we just know, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that they're going to be there in the end. And um, so hopefully those kind of games, you know, will will prepare us for, for what we're going to face tomorrow. Head coach Leah Beer of the Hammond Lady Warriors joining us here for a few minutes this morning. Speaking of Lakiva Sickles, uh, tomorrow night down in Cash, the area final. In that game, I, I wonder how much – is it about keeping your team focused on that particular game versus what that carrot hanging out with the win would mean and qualifying to go to the state tournament and be in the big house next week? Yeah, that is a balancing act. I think all of us coaches, you know, we face uh, how much emphasis do we put on, uh, you know, the importance of the game, how much do we try to keep our kids free and loose, uh, but giving them the information they need, um, you know, through scouting reports and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we've done our homework this week. We'll finish up some loose ends today. Um, like I said, I'm, I've, I've got some seniors that have started for me since they were freshmen. Uh, they know what's out there. They know they don't need me. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. reminding them. Um, I Again, the pulse of this team, I feel like, is always just um, – not not feeling pressure, you know, being being true to who we are, and uh, uh, just kind of approaching that as well. Yes, it's an area finals game. Yes, we would love to win that and punch our ticket and move right on. Um, but uh, I think we'll just go down there. Honestly, this is my gut feeling, and we're going to roll up our sleeves and and we're going to go to work. And I just I hope we're relentless. I have uh, we have no quit. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. We, we overcome, and um, um, but, you know, the stakes get higher each week, and um, your kids know it, and so I, I sometimes feel like, again, just me growing as a coach, that I do a little bit better job in taking some of that pressure off, putting it on me, or, you know, mm-hmm. just letting them um, feel confident and, and building them up and encouraging them so they can go out and be the best them they can be that night uh, final question for me D- does your family uh plan family reunions in jim norick arena <laughs> because it, it, it might happen this year <laughs> you know i am telling you it has happened yeah. it has happened uh, uh several times it is um my dad he'll be 80 in may and i don't know if he's listening but he you know, he knows every trip we've made. He knows how many trips we've, how many times we've been there, how many state championships we've won. Um, we are just a very blessed family. I don't know what else to say. I just thank God for, you know, all the opportunities my whole family has had in, in the arena of sports. And uh, I sure am pulling for my daughter. I just text her and told her I'd pray for her and her girls and wish them the best today. I text my brother Lance and, so it's truly it's a family affair. It's kind of what we talk about at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, last one for me. Speaking of Thanksgiving and Christmas, are are, are you and Tatum going to be okay? Uh, is she will she rubbing in a little bit, or will she kind of let that I don't one know. go? She's she, she's not as bad as my granddaughter Brackett. She'll say things like, "I don't even care if you cry, Gigi. We're going to beat you." Oh no! <laughs> wow. Now we that sounds like Brackett. Yeah. <laughs> now we we did ask Tatum yesterday. I, I, you you know, 30 years, and not that it's time for you to be done or any crazy thing like that, but Brackett is young uh, coming up. At some point, will we will, will, will she be able to get you in some Canute Trojans gear? 
I'm going to just say this. I'm going to be that grandma in the stands, that crazy grandma, <laughs> cheering them grandbabies on. I'm not going to be coaching against them. I'm going to be having fun. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> the, Coach. the running joke uh, with us, at least in the softball field, is that we always notice you sit on the right field or left field side away from all the fans because we kind of think she might be doing that on purpose so she's not going to get in trouble when she's over there watching uh, when you're over there watching bracket also uh, i got a text here it says your favorite son-in-law is listening that'd be ryan i'll just leave that oh. right there i'll let you guys fight that one out who's the favorite yeah son-in-law? yeah i gotta be careful i've got three of them and, uh, but no I, I love i love my ryan he's a he's a good guy well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us here and giving us some time on a Thursday. Good luck to the Lady Warriors tomorrow night and then uh, hopefully next week up in the state tournament uh, at the Big House. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Head Coach Leah Beer of the Hammond Lady Warriors. Always so gracious uh, to spend some time with us. And here's the deal. She gets to every year because their team is so good each and every yeah, season. And, I, yeah. and once again, they're they're well on their way uh, to, to being back into the, the state tournament next week going into the playoffs at number one in Class B. And, man, it's we've talked about it all year, I think, and she even referenced it. When, when the when when the team outside of West can make shots, good luck. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. And they have a lot of those players that can do that. She mentioned all of them mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a stacked team. That's, well, it, it's not impossible to beat them at that point, but it's darn close. Well, right now, and she's right, they're playing – and when you look at it, you know, on paper, but I think they are playing their best basketball right now. They I, have rolled through the playoffs. The last four wins that they've had since losing to Canute, and they wrapped up their regular season with Duke, and then this three-game stretch through the playoffs, they've scored 70-plus points. And, and given up listen, the, and I, the most they've given yeah, up is 30. Yeah. When you're doing that in a game that only takes 32 minutes, that's that's efficiency right there. They're playing at a high-level and nothing against the Lady Panthers, but good luck. Because <laughs> Hammond's playing really good. Yeah. Really good. A bucket a minute. Yeah. And you're scoring one every four. Or what? every eight. Four. Four. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I'm not good not at the math. Good. I'm obviously not good at the math because I couldn't do it right then. Uh, you're better than but, me. But that's pretty... <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty easy odds there. Uh, so we really thank uh, Coach Beard for stopping by this morning. Yep. Class A and B area tournaments get back underway today. That means 2A and 4A regional action will be on the docket today as well. Coming up a week from Sunday, that's March the 5th from 7.30 to 1.30 over at the Canute Fire Department Community Building. It's the annual pancake uh, breakfast put on by the uh, the Canute Lions Club. Pancakes, sausage, bacon, juice, milk, or coffee. All the proceeds will be used for Christmas baskets. Canute School Scholarships and other community services. And the cost is the goodness of your own heart by donation only. So that's next Sunday, March the 5th, 7.30 to 1.30 over at the Canute Fire Department Community Building. Pancake breakfast. All right, Jared. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like pancakes and sausage and bacon? You know who loves bacon? My little James. Bacon. Her perfect meal will probably be bacon sprinkled on spaghetti. <laughs> she loves spaghetti. Bacon she, crumbled up on there. She loves bacon. Loves it. She'll take a bite, and after every bite, she'll go, mm, bacon. <laughs> bacon. 
I like bacon too. Bacon's good on just about everything. Yeah. Okay, so coming up today, the broadcast schedule on Paragon TV and Big Elk TV looks like this. We've got every window. We, we were talking about the, the coverage windows in college football earlier. We've got every window covered today. Awesome. Uh, you'll be uh, down in Chickasha, 130, Canute versus Empire. That's Class A girls area consolation action. Canute number 10, 22 and 5 versus the unranked Lady Bulldogs of Empire at 20 and 6. We'll come back up and talk about it in just a second. Uh, Arapaho Butler, we go at 3 o'clock. We've got three different boys' games that are available for your viewing pleasure. Arapaho Butler will play Drummond. Uh, that's over in Shawnee. That's 3 o'clock, Class A boys' area uh, action on Paragon TV. Also on Paragon TV, we've got 2A boys' regional, which is an elimination game. Uh, all these are elimination games uh, as far as the, mm-hmm. the consolation brackets. you got Merritt and Watonga. And then also at 3 o'clock, Big Elk TV over in Weatherford, Elk City, and Clinton. Uh, that's 4A Boys Regional at 3 o'clock. Then we skip to 6 o'clock, uh, Class A Girls Area Consolation, Arapo Butler, and Strother. That's also at Shawnee, 6 o'clock, Paragon TV. Then two games where it's not do or die. In regional, winner's bracket action in Class 4A, 6 o'clock, Elk City and Weatherford, BigElkTV.com, also Cool94 for those Elk City games radio coverage at 3 o'clock for the boys, 6 o'clock for the girls. Then Merritt is up in Hennessy against Watonga. That's 2A Girls Regional at 6 o'clock. The number three Merritt Oilerettes against the Watonga Lady Eagles. Then at 7.30, Big Elk TV. Or I'm sorry, at 7.30, ParagonTV.com from Woodward. It's Leedy versus Timberlake. That's Class B Boys Area Consolation Action. I believe I've got them all covered. I think that's it. That's wall-to-wall starting at 1.30. Wall-to-wall. 1.30 to 7.30 tips. With a little break in between. And then hopefully we get some wins and we just do it all over again tomorrow without looking at the bracket. Everything will be one thirty tomorrow in the in the, in the girls everything will in, be the, in the area. In the area. At one thirty and three in the area consolation mm-hmm. stuff. Of course we'll have winners bracket games tomorrow with Leedy Girls, Hammond Girls. Is that it? Leedy Girls, Hammond Girls, yeah. I, I think that's it. That's, that's playing it. in the in the area final tomorrow night. Right, right. Yes. And then we'll keep you update uh, up to date with game times. In a perfect world, I would just be over at Weatherford at 7.30, and that's it for Big Elk basketball because that means the Elkheads beat Weatherford tonight and they'd move on to the regional final on Saturday night. Never know. Never know. Those have been two great games between those two teams. It has been. Elk City's had leads in the fourth quarter of both of those losses. Weatherford's beat them twice. Uh, But the Elkheads have been right there. Matter of fact, led by the first matchup back in December on that floor that they'll play tonight inside the Eagles' nest. Elkheads were up five with a minute and 30. And uh, Weatherford came back to win. I'll just lean on. It's always hard to beat a team three times in the same year. One difference tonight, both Hoffmans will be on the floor for the first time, Addie and Jordan for Weatherford. Mm, that, that, they have that, not had that at their disposal just yet. Jordan played the first game, had 22, a, a game-high 22. Addie played here. Jordan wasn't in the, in the lineup, uh, and Addie scored 18 that night, which was a game-high as well. So uh, that'll be a, yeah, that's a, tough load a right different yeah. challenge yeah. and a bigger challenge for the Elkettes. What about Canute tonight? Or this afternoon, one thirty against Empire. Uh, you know, should be a good one. Empire is a team. Coach uh, Redling mentioned it yesterday, and, and I've heard that phrase mo- used more than once. They have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they they're not ranked, but feel like they should be ranked. They are a twenty win season or twenty win team this season. That's always kind of a litmus mark for me. Is like if you can win twenty games in a year, you're a good team. If you're playing at this time of year, you're a good team. So. 
It's going to be a, an interesting matchup. The size down low versus uh, so Butler versus the name again escapes me. We're number thirty-three for the Lady Bulldogs. That's going to be one I'm going to kind of keep my eye on. Perimeter shooting if Canute can take care of uh, the shot from outside, loosen up that stuff inside for for Taylor and even um, Kylie likes to to work it in the high post and go down low. Obviously, I think they should be okay. X's and O's uh, matchups I think favors Canute. And the style of basketball, I think, favors Canute. Didn't see a lot of uh, press applied by Empire. Uh, and they didn't receive the press from Hydro that one game I watched. Canute likes to throw that full court press out there. We'll see how Empire responds to that. So it's all about a good start and just consistent shooting. I think Canute will be okay. All right, once again, last time before we get out of here. one thirty, Canute and Empire, Paragon TV. That's girls game. At 3 o'clock on Paragon TV, Arapo Butler versus Drummond in Class A Boys and Merritt versus Watonga in Class 2A Boys Regional. 3 o'clock, Big Elk TV, Cool 94 for radio. That's Elk City and Clinton at 3. That's a boys game. Then at 6, you got Arapo Butler and Strother on Paragon TV, Merritt and Watonga on Paragon TV, Elk City and Weatherford Girls on Big Elk TV and Cool 94 for radio. Those games are at 6. And then 7.30, the final uh, game of the night on the Paragon TV Network. Class B boys from Woodward, Leedy versus Timberlake. That's a, a consolation game. So uh, the season's on the line for a handful of the teams in the Paragon Network here today. Thanks so much to Hammond Lady Warriors head coach Leah Beer for joining us as they prepare for the area final tomorrow night against Lakeba Sickles. It's all right there in front of all these teams. Class A and B. Teams playing today. Three straight wins. Against the preseason, uh, to get to the preseason goal of making a trip to the big house. Everybody have a great Thursday. Be safe on the roads. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That